This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Inter win! Clinch the Supercoppa Italiana by beating Juventus 2-1 in extra time. Real Madrid get the job done in a five-goal Clasico and Chelsea march into the EFL Cup final after seeing off title-timid Tottenham. I'm joined by Jonathan Johnson later on, but Jimmy Conrad, my man, Jimmy Conrad, to pick over the wreckage of these great three rivalries. Kigo Lasso, midweek Wednesday mayhem begins right now. Everybody, welcome to Kegolasso. Thank you so much for being part of the family. Follow us on Twitter, Kegolasso Pod, YouTube.com forward slash Kegolasso. We're nearly there to 8,000 subscribers, CBS Sports and your CBS Sports app. Yes. And of course, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Jimmy Conrad, how are you, buddy? Well, I'm thinking it's 2011 because Alexis Sanchez just scored a game winner in the 120th minute to help Inter Milan win the Supercoppa Italiana for the first time since 2010. And I'm totally here for it. Injected straight into my veins, Luis. <laughs> what an ending. My Peruvian contract doesn't allow me to say his full name because <laughs> I will explode. But it was a tremendous ending as Inter win 2-1 in extra time. Fair play to Juventus. Weston McKenney scores, of course, uh, as well. So uh, happy, uh, I'm sure, USMNT fans, including yourself, Jimmy Conn. But let's talk about this game. We both predicted Inter to win, but guess what? Juventus showed up, my friend. They did, and I thought they got off to a pretty good start. It felt, uh, I say that, but it, it didn't feel like they were getting overwhelmed. And it was a really, really strong lineup from Inter Milan. I think the best that they could put out there. Everybody looked healthy, ready to go. You had Jekko partnering with Lotaro up top. Those two ended up combining in some weird way because Jekko. Uh, got the penalty called, and then Lataro finished it with a nice finish. When I looked at Juve's team, no Delict, no Quadrado. Dybala didn't start, didn't come on until the 74th minute, I think. And and obviously no Chiesa, Kulisevsky, Morata doing their thing. Who's going to score the goals? Who's going to step up and be the hero? We've seen Morata do it, but he's got that inconsistency that I think drives people crazy. Chesney didn't start in this one. Perrin got the start instead. Keenlini came back into the team. Rugani's next to him. Just just a lot of mixing and matching, I thought, from Juve and more of a hoping for the best than actually going out there to win, whereas it looked like Inter were really trying to go out there for the win. So when they scored first, I thought, okay, game on. And that Weston McKinney did it even better from a U.S. men's national team perspective. I think that continues to highlight his great form with his club, and hopefully that carries over for this next qualifying window so we can just get it done and qualify, and that's a different conversation. We'll save it for the U.S. men's national team. Well, hour, I don't but- know, Jimmy. I'll, I'll do you a bonus here. Let's, let's stay right there in that very point that you just said, and we welcome everybody that's watching. By the way, this is our call to action. Please tell us where you're watching from, and also answer this question as I'm going to ask Jimmy Conrad right now. Is Weston McKinney right now the most informed USMNT player? Yes, 100%. And and not only because of how he's been playing, but just because he has been playing. A lot of our guys are either hurt or they're struggling to get minutes or they're being played out of position and trying to do the best they possibly can. Looking at you, Thomas Tuchel. But uh, yes, he he's getting, for me, he's getting more trust from Maxi Allegri. And maybe in a way that he didn't at the start of the season. It didn't feel like maybe he was part of Allegri's plans. But then there are those moments, and you've seen it in all the club teams where, 
they kind of have to roll out a player just to show the other clubs that might be interested in buying him. That, hey, look, he's healthy. And hey, look, look what he can do. And I felt like Weston McKinney fell into that a little bit. But when he continues to get minutes, I feel like Juve are better when he's on the field. And I think Allegri finally believes it too. And I thought he got rewarded for his hard work with that goal today. And it was unfortunate that Juve didn't get more out of that. They looked tired by the end of it, an extra 30 minutes. I think everybody was like, please just go to penalties. We don't need 30 more minutes on our bodies. Oh, but, I definitely uh, wanted that, by the way. Um, <laughs> Alvaro Morata as well playing on the wing. Jonathan Johnson joins the show. Welcome, Ilias, as well in the chat. Thank you, our loyal watchers, viewers who are part of our family. Welcome, everybody. Please uh, let us know uh, what you thought of the game. But Jonathan Johnson, straight away, tell me, what did you think of the game, my friend? Hey there, guys. Uh, Got to be honest, <clears throat> I'm quite glad that's over now. Uh, <laughs> it, start, it started off fairly well and got my hopes up. And then uh, by the end of 90 minutes, I was like, I, I really can't stand uh, another half an hour. Uh, yeah, and thankfully we were spared the penalties. Um, I don't really understand when these kind of competitions allow to have extra time. I don't see why it doesn't just go straight to penalties. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I agree. Uh, in any case, we'll see what the the fallout is for for both of these two teams in the in the next couple of weeks. But uh, you know, Inter winning it uh, in dramatic circumstances, big goal for Alexis Sanchez. Uh, you know, after what feels like an eternity. Uh, and I agree with you as well with Weston McKinney. Um, you know, it feels like. He was put in that shop window, and now Juve are kind of like in that position where they're considering whether they really want to let him go, or, you know, whether he's turned over a new leaf. I, I know he's been a bit of a bad boy uh, since he's been in Turin, but uh, no, it's, um, you know, th there were some interesting things to take from the game. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, I was going to ask, I was just going to ask JJ if that, given what you saw from the starting lineup from Juve, was that the game you expected to see? I mean, I thought, given the strength of Inter's lineup, just to go there very quickly, that they were going to go for it. They were going for it to, to really just try to end the game quickly. But then when Juve scored first, it really kind of changed their approach, I thought. And and also, there was a double sub that happened, which I thought was very interesting, taking off Jekko and Lataro at the same time to bring on Alexis Sanchez and Joaquin Correa. And I thought that was a bit of a risk. Maybe I, I just thought, based if I was the manager, maybe staggering that sub so each player could kind of ease into the game in their own way while somebody was already in the flow of it. But uh, yeah, what do you think about Simone Inzaghi? Obviously, his first major trophy with Inter since he's taken over, and just kind of uh, just individual performances. You got anything that stands out? Yeah, I I, I like what uh, Inzaghi has done with Inter since taking over. I think he's really impressed me because I I wasn't particularly sold on it being the best move. I didn't think that Inter would be as strong as they are this season. So credit to him for for having them looking as they are at the moment. I think with regards to that substitution, I think it was solely just to you know to try and keep his key men. Uh, fit, you know, not mm -hmm, risk mm -hmm. them going into into extra time. Uh, and Alexis Sanchez, I mean, he's kind of in the same boat as, uh, as as McKinney, where you know, Inter, they they know what he can do, but they don't see it enough. Uh, you know, so bring him on. Not really got anything to lose in a Super Cup match, and you know, comes up big and uh, and and gets the winner. But uh, no, I I I'm surprised how both teams actually took this, uh, you know, relatively seriously when you look at the, the the starting 11s. I mean, I always find it a bit strange to have these events mid-season. Obviously, we had it in Spain as well this evening, uh, because for me, it's always something that's kind of like a curtain raiser at the beginning of the season. So you usually use these games to as uh, sort of like a semi-competitive friendly. But this this felt more like a competitive match because it's literally coming bang in the middle, uh, you know, of all the domestic action. These teams are already back in in Serie A action as well. So, 
you know, I, th I think it was more competitive than we would have usually seen. Like, for example, it's the curtain raiser in the French season, uh, you know, and I think we, we benefited from that. But that's also probably why they were able to go toe-to-toe -to -toe pretty much for the entire 120 minutes. Let's keep going on the lineup specifically. Jimmy, I'll ask you first. JJ, please feel free to jump on. But Paulo Dybala obviously has been one of the main uh, components for Juventus. Uh, obviously, uh, I kind of, I think I know the answer to this, uh, but I would love to hear what you think. Why do you think he didn't start uh, specifically in this game? I think it's due to minutes. I mean, they have a lot of games. Look at their schedule now where they've got Udinese at home uh, in, in a couple of days. Then a couple of days later, got Sampdoria. Then they go travel to Milan again. This time to take on AC Milan a couple days after that. And then it's Hellas Verona and Atalanta. And it's just every three or four days they've got minutes. And actually, to Maxi Allegri's credit, it worked. They brought on Dybala when the game is in the balance at 1-1. And, and he had a chance and he took a couple of shots and he had some influence on what was happening. Obviously, he didn't have uh, that goal that he scored against Roma on the weekend where he got it out of his feet and curled it to the back post, which is what I think we expect more from him. Almost Aryan Robin-esque. Can he get into that spot? And we always know it's automatic. He's going to hit that top corner. And, and I think we all know he's capable of it, but he just doesn't do it consistently, which is, I think frustrates a lot of Juve fans. But it did work. And I think, hey, we got to rest him. He got more than enough time to make his impact on the game, and it just wasn't enough. But I was a bit surprised that he didn't start because I thought you could have done the opposite. Can he go out there and help you set the tone? And then you bring him off very similar to what uh, Nzagi did with Jekko uh, and, and Lataro. Yeah, but I think there, there was an element of managing the minutes for players uh, you know, on both sides. Let's not forget this is an Inter Milan team that had to travel uh, only for a game to be postponed in Serie A, mm -hmm. just coming off the winter break. So, you know, I don't think it was necessarily ideal circumstances uh, for either. But, uh, you know, I, d I do think that, you know, when both of these teams are looking at their schedules, uh, you know, it's you've got Inter coming back into it with uh, with Atalanta, uh, you know, big game against AC Milan coming up at the beginning of February as well. It's It's really crucial that they are sensible, both coaches, with uh, you know, with their key players. Because if you lose somebody now at this point in the season, especially in the middle of a transfer window, if you suddenly have to go hunting for a signing, you're going to be paying through the mm -hmm. nose. Mm -hmm. uh, it's difficult to locate, uh, you know, loan deals as well. So I think both coaches navigated a fairly tricky fixture in terms of timing, uh, you know, fairly well with uh, with their respective decisions. I feel. Yeah, JJ, before you go, let's ask one more for the round here, uh, the circle. Uh, uh, somebody commented, uh, sorry, if, apologies if I forgot your name, but a very good point about Weston McKenney. He's going to need his minutes rested as well, of course, as you know, so many more games come into play. But it, it, we're going to talk about a classical later on, Jimmy. But in the same manner, uh, how Shabby can take a lot of positives from that game, I feel like Allegri can do the same here, especially as they look into, you know, their fifth in Serie A, looking to climb up. Obviously, they got that game in hand over Fiorentina. But this surely adds a little bit of confidence, especially, especially because they don't have Federico Chiesa anymore. Well, I think it's going to force him to be creative in terms of who his starting lineup is. It was a bit of a surprise to see Artur get some minutes there at the very end because I thought they were just going to save him, make sure he didn't get injured so they can sell him because I don't think he's part of the plans moving forward. And fair play to McKinney for kind of winning that battle because they both got brought in around similar times. And McKinney, I think, has won out as an option that's a little bit more reliable or maybe does more things uh, in, in certain ways that Artur can't. I still think Archer is a, is a good player. I just feel like he needs to find a home where he can start to succeed a little bit. So we'll see if he can find that in this transfer window if they end up letting him go. Because as you said, they do have a lot of issues. That schedule is crazy, though. And, and I don't know how 
they're going to manage it other than praying to the Serie gods or whoever they pray to that, that Kulisevsky can stay healthy, that Murata can stay healthy, that all these players can stay healthy so that they have selections. Other, we see it even with COVID. Sometimes you're just forced to play with what you have. And, and sometimes teams really play and perform well under that. But this Juve team does have a lot of work to do just to even get into the top four. Obviously, losing this chance at a trophy would have been nice for that confidence. But there were some takeaways here that they are resolute, that the guys can step up and be trusted in tough moments and big games. Yeah, good but, timing, by the way, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jimmy, uh, with Rito Romano's uh, report about Arsenal pushing for Artur Meller as well there. Uh, so that's well done. I feel like you two had that synced up. Well, you know, that's what me and Fabrizio do. We're uh, <laughs> two peas in a pod. But uh, JJ, I'm kind of curious as to, you know, your thoughts about Juve's chances, even in the top four moving forward. I mean, I, I think it was, it's difficult to rule Juve out uh, for the top four. You know, to think about them not qualifying for the Champions League is pretty difficult, despite the fact that they were awful at the beginning of the season. Uh, and, f- and credit to, to Allegri, really, for, for turning things around, because they do look uh, a lot better now. They, they are harder uh, to come up against. I still think that they're a lot further away, uh, you know, from those teams in Champions League qualification than they would have thought. Okay, uh, you know, Atalanta, you know, sort of almost within reach, despite the fact that they have a, a, a game in hand. But still, you know, if we're looking at it sort of in comparison with Napoli, uh, you know, they're five points clear. I think Juve would have expected to be much, much closer. So there's still plenty of work to be done. Uh would be interesting to see who Juve might bring in, uh, you know, assuming that they do manage to get after out of the door and, and to Arsenal, uh, you know, because I think that there are a couple of areas in that team where Juve really, uh, you know, need to uh, need to retool. I don't think that they're going to be able to do all the business they need to do this January. Uh, I think they're probably going to have to look at next summer for that. But, you know, this is a Juve team that's really been on the slide now for the last couple of years and Allegri looks like he's arrested that slide will it be enough to salvage Champions League qualification we'll have to wait and see but if they can continue this run of form if they can navigate this uh this tricky set of fixtures coming up uh then I think they'll look in fairly decent shape uh, as we head into February so Juventus hopefully as well will uh, hope that actually ironically enough Inter does them a favor when they face Atalanta because that's Atalanta's game in hand and obviously if Atalanta win that then the gap becomes a little bit further away but obviously Allegri will never say that. I know that it's late for you Jonathan Johnson so how about some final thoughts my friend? Hey you can go anywhere you want perhaps a little Brazilian that's coming our that's already <laughs> there or a little Frenchman that's coming our way anywhere you want Jonathan Johnson. What's your final thought? Yeah, well, you know, it's been an exciting last couple of days to be a Villa fan. He's rolling his eyes. To have Coutinho rocking up at Villa Park, you know, it's kind of thing that doesn't really happen in uh, even in our wildest dreams these days as Villa fans. But, you know, it really does feel like a positive place to be at the moment. Dean coming in as well. I'm very, very curious to see, uh, first of all, how that plays out sort of in his first couple of games, what that might mean, uh, you know, moving forward for somebody like Matty Target, who... Uh, you know, he's had his difficult moments, but I've, I feel he's perhaps one of the more reliable performers in the team. Uh, and, you know, I think it's a sign as well that, you know, Gerard is is finally being able to stamp his, his mark, his authority on this uh, squad. I wasn't sure if he'd be able to do that much business uh, this window. Now we're obviously seeing that, you know, he is being backed by the club. And, you know, it's an exciting second half of the season coming up, especially after a couple of disappointing results, the loss to Brentford, uh, the loss to United, both games where I felt you really should have done better in terms of the result. Gutted to not have a, a cup run on the cards once again, but it's kind of par for the course these days, unfortunately. 
Hey, man. Onwards, onwards, onwards. I love it. And onwards for you, Jonathan Johnson. Uh, get your well-deserved rest, my friend. Thank you so much, buddy. Take care. Cheers, guys. See you, JJ. All right, JJ off to sleep. Jimmy Conrad, we're done with the Villa Talk. Don't worry about it. It's over. That's fine. Okay. I'm excited for you guys, too. It's it's <laughs> it's very cool to see what G Steven Gerrard can do. Hey, Chris Wood. Well, Chris Wood. So, you know, I just want to state for the record that yeah. Newcastle are playing four-dimensional chess here because they're kind of taking a, a, a page out of the playbook of Bayern Munich that you want to buy the people you're competing against, buy players from that team or those teams, and Burnley are in the relegation zone, just like Newcastle. And guess what? We just bought Burnley's best striker. So you know what? I love what they're doing, but they got to beat Watford this weekend. That'll make me feel better. There you go, buddy. And there'll be much more to talk about there in the weekend preview. But we move on. Uh, oh, by the way, here we go. James, I uh, just got to give you all props for calling the 2-1 result out perfectly. Thank you, buddy. It's what we do, man. It's what we do. Sad to see McKenny. Prediction God status confirmed. I'm telling you, man. Uh, I'm telling you. Sad to see McKenny's header not count for much, but heck of a game. It was a very good game, good James. Game. Thank you so much for being part of the family, my friend. All right, let's move on here. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. El Clásico, Jimmy Conrad. Always historically such an entertaining game. We were doubting whether this one was going to be of essence, partly as well because it was in Saudi Arabia. No disrespect, but, you know, a game of this magnitude, I feel, deserves all the local domestic attention. Yeah, I agree. And of course, so what, what is that what you think? What would you make I do. Of I do agree with that. But yeah. when they agreed to do the deal and have this tournament in Saudi Arabia, as we now know, La Liga was bleeding money. And so they probably accepted a good deal of it from Saudi Arabia to hold this historic tournament there. And you do lose a little bit of that local feel, the culture that comes from having Spanish games in, in Spain as opposed to somewhere else. But with regard to the game itself, I thought that Madrid were going to be the clear runaway winners of this one. I didn't think Me Barcelona too. had too much of a chance. I had it as 2 nil. Yeah, You had 2 nil. Yeah. I don't remember what I said. I had Madrid winning, but I don't I don't I didn't think it was going to be as close as it was. And I was really impressed with the way that Barcelona punched back. Now, the first goal that Luke De Jong scored, three goals in three games by the way. Yeah. Uh, was a bit fortuitous. Militao's got to do a lot better in that situation and letting Ansu Fati who's like 5 foot nothing get a free header at the top of the 6 with 7 minutes left is unacceptable, but 
I just thought the Madrid were the better team and and their quality on the counterattack in particular is nothing short of amazing. The first goal where Benzema picks Busquets' pocket and that leads to him putting Vinicius through. By the way, if you can watch any goal, just to see what one player is doing, Vinicius is another level. We talked about them being the best duo in the world right now and when you see this, you understand why. But after Benzema does all the, the, the work to get it set up, Vinicius's first touch to get away from the defender, fantastic. The second one to set up his shot, even better. The goal, the finish, even better than that. I mean, Vinicius is on another, on another level, level right now. And yeah. then Benzema scored. And it's just like these guys are probably the best duo in the world at the moment. Yeah, no, absolutely. Listen, I said at Vinicius Jr., uh, we'll, we're going to circle back to Vinny in a second. Uh, but uh, let's throw this question first. Uh, hey, Jake, I'm here too, you know. I can ask about <laughs> just because he's – I'm not American, but I know Serginio Dest, Jake. But, Jimmy, do you think Serginio Dest uh, finish is done at Barcelona after being completely left out of the squad today? I think there has to be something to it. I mean, if he got left off out of the squad and there's no injury or COVID concerns – then there must be something brewing behind the scenes. I'm, my, I'm just curious. I mean, there's rumors that he might be going to Chelsea on loan, which would be an interesting Intriguing. experience. Yes, and and where he fits in because I feel like they have players of similar quality to him that can fill in. Christian Pulisic is one, Hudson Adoy. But I guess Des does have a little bit more of that wingback experience. It would be interesting to see how he does there and uh, for a lot of different reasons. But I think he'd get better. He'd get better from that experience. And if he's not part of Xavi's plans and they're going to go somewhere else, then it might be time for him to move on. I just don't know what the best destination is for him, Luis. And I'm curious what you think. I mean, going back to Ajax, he didn't really spend that much time at Ajax either because he's a young player. I would love for him to go maybe back to them, but he might see that as a step back after being at Barcelona. So I'm not really sure. Yeah, no, that's where I was going. I was thinking maybe just go back to Ajax for a second. I mean, they're one of the best teams in Europe right now and obviously mm-hmm. Champions League potentially, et cetera. I will just leave it with this. Fabrizio Romano reminded us in this show that Barcelona considers Eugenio Dest a good player. They like him, mm-hmm. but he's not untouchable. So if somebody wants to come in, and offer something, uh, they will definitely uh, be ready. A quick question on this one. Should uh, Greg Berhalter call him back up for this month? What do you think, Jimmy? Oh, absolutely. I think you want to give these players a chance to get back into a different setting. It, it depends. I, well, let me say it like this. I guess it depends. If he makes a move to Chelsea and all of a sudden he's in you know, a new situation, he's trying to get his footing there, maybe you would consider bringing in somebody else. And then maybe, But Yedlin isn't necessarily lighten it up in Turkey at the moment. And none of our guys are really like killing it outside of Weston McKinney. So yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, but we've seen in the past that sometimes when you bring a player in that doesn't have a lot of confidence and he gets him around his friends and just that, that warm environment where he's feeling supported. Sometimes that can be the thing that unlocks how that, that kind of stress that they're feeling and they start to play a little bit more free. And then they go back with the club teams, a little more confidence. So I'm hopeful that that's the situation. He comes in and plays well, helps us get at least seven points out of these three games in the qualifying window. And uh, we get one step closer to qualifying for the World Cup. Well, there you have it. Hopefully, hopefully for the USMNT faithful. Let's circle back to Vinicius Jr., by the way. 15 goals in all competitions this season. That is the same number as his past three previous seasons combined with Real Madrid. There is clearly something that Ancelotti has provided for him. I feel he's more calm on the ball. Time has slowed down for him. He's more balanced. And obviously, Jimmy, that partnership with Karim Benzema, we always knew. It's funny because it wasn't too long ago when Karim Benzema was kind of talking some smack about Vinicius Jr. in a way, right? Saying that, don't give him the ball, whatever. Now it's like Batman and Robin. It really is. I feel like there's been a trust that's been extended from Benzema to Vinicius 
Whereas if you saw in the first season in particular, and maybe a little less in the second season, Benzema would always throw up his hands. Like this kid just takes too many touches. He, he, he holds it too long when he should play quick. He plays quick when he should hold it for a little bit longer. He just was always doing the opposite of what I think Benzema wanted. And now you're seeing this really come to fruition. So I think it's a couple of things. One, I think it's, it's him getting older. It's him understanding what it means to actually play for Madrid. And I also mm-hmm. want to throw Carlo Ancelotti in there because I think he's a player whisperer in maybe a way that Zidane wasn't. Mm-hmm. And, and trying to encourage him and support him in a way, and maybe even helping Benzema deal with the relationship with our younger players, not just Vinicius, but Rodrigo and everybody else, that's allowing him to flourish. And, and I think it's a combination of all these things. And as his confidence continues to grow, like even on the third goal that they scored an extra time, the ball that comes across from Rodrigo, he dummies it like he's playing out in the park with his friends yeah. to leave it for Fede Valverde, who slots it. I don't know if we would have seen beautiful. the same version of Vinicius. He might have rushed it, got that ball cut underneath his feet. Maybe they don't score, you know, in, yeah. in the previous seasons. So, and that was my point about crazy like, how good he I is. I right Angelotti has given him a, a sort of balanced game. Like everything has slowed down for him. It's like that yeah. commercial. Yeah. I, I think it was Peyton Manning, where like you know he gets the ball and everything slows down. Right. That's Vinicius right. Junior right now. Like he, everything has slowed down for him and Real Madrid. Look very good. Having said that, by the way, and by the way, six straight winless Clásico for Barcelona. Uh, we can't say that they lost, but I do feel, Jimmy, I wonder your point, that there's a lot of positives that Xavi can take out of this. Uh, I think that obviously they're an, a transition team. Listen, on paper, depth, squad, talent, Real Madrid is a better team. Okay? Strategy as well. Currently the favors for La Liga. But Barcelona, I feel Xavi can take a lot from, from what he saw today. I think they're, yeah, you could probably look at every position. Ter Stegen looks a little bit sharper. You know, it's unfortunate on the Benzema goal where it gets deflected out. It's like a second save. He's trying to get big. And that's a little bit unlucky. But I feel like he's been sharper over the last uh, couple weeks and months. So that's good. Danny Alves getting meaningful minutes, getting him a little bit fitter, getting him back into the system is important. You still have a really old back line, though, with PK and Jordi Alba as well. Mm. You know, making sure you start to get that that midfield three, if it is going to be, you know, Gabi could play there today, but Pedri ended up coming in. So, you know, getting Pedri some more minutes. Ansu Fati making his return to the first team as well. Scoring Super a goal. Yeah. Yeah. Scoring a goal. Getting Ferran Torres, even though he came out at half, but getting Ferran Torres minutes. I was actually pleasantly surprised that Memphis Depay was like their super sub that came off the bench. Now, it is interesting, though, that they've scored a bunch of headers in the last few games with Luke de Jong and now Ansu Fati. I'm like, what version of Barcelona are we watching? Because yeah. he's more like I'm a... they want a to a get rid of, by the way. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. So, so, yes, there are some takeaways. I think that Javi knows exactly the kind of team that he has. I think his expectations seem set firm in reality, and I appreciate that about them. He doesn't really blow smoke up anybody's ass, and and that's refreshing in some ways because he's not tap dancing around anything. Maybe that's because he's a club legend and he can just be himself and not have to be anybody that he's not. And then Ushman Dembele actually playing the whole game too I thought was important. So if they can get yeah. these young players healthy and back in the team, the future is so bright for Barcelona, but it's just going to take some time. So I encourage... Those fans, even though it's as hard as it is to to exercise some patience. Yeah, but definitely focus on the positives today, at the very least, I would say. All right, let's let's move. <laughs> you have to. You got nowhere else That's but true. look up, I That's feel true. like this That's point. True. All right, let's move on to the final game. We leave it at the end because uh well, it was the least uh I mean, listen, Tottenham losing to Chelsea, Chelsea in the League Cup final. By the way, Thomas Tuchel, the first manager in the club's history to take the club to each of their respective finals, uh, not Europa League, of course, but the Champions League, the FA Cup, and now the League Cup. Pretty amazing. Tottenham, it was big, Jimmy. They needed 
some uh, some help. But Harry Kane was hoping for a for a final, but it wasn't to be. What 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 did you make of the game? Well, the first thing I'll say, let's just talk about the lineups. I was pretty surprised that Larice didn't start this one, and they went with Galini. Yeah. And I say that now, obviously, in hindsight, because Galini made a mistake that led to Chelsea's first goal. And that first goal was going to be so important in this game. If Spurs can score first and make it 2-1 over the two legs, then I feel like we see potentially Chelsea suffer a little bit and get a little squeaky bum time. And that's where that momentum could play into Spurs' hands and they can take it from there. We saw that with Juve. They scored first and all of a sudden they were just on top of Inter. And they didn't get that second one, but they were, you know, sent the note that this is going to be a long one. With regard to, to so the lineup changes were a little bit interesting. He rolled out Doherty again. I thought that experiment was done. Apparently it's not. Wink started instead of Skip. Uh, Lucas Moore and Harry Kane were up top. You had Lacelso who was kind of floating around. It looked like they were in a bit of a Christmas tree, a 5-3-2. So I can understand why they did that. But at some point, they were going to have to extend themselves and chase the game. And I was wondering what Conte said to the guys before. Do we want to try to get it to 0-0 zero, zero at, at half? Or do we want to try to go get that goal and maybe take some more risks? going forward in the first half and then adapt accordingly. But when they give up a goal on a set piece, Golini misses it. He doesn't have anybody impeding him. When he tries to go punch it out, it hits Rudiger's back and they score and they make it 3-0. Even it's if Spurs over. scored at that point, it was over. It was yeah. over. And I don't know. Maybe it's better for Conte at this point. Obviously, to win a trophy with Spurs would be important for all Spurs fans out there. But I think it was pretty much done and dusted once Chelsea went up 2-0. And to your point about the stat that you said about Tuchel, my big question for him is, can he do it over 10 months in the Premier League? Mm. He's proven that he's a good cup manager. And, and obviously, you know, you can say, well, PSG won the league. Everybody should win as manager of PSG with that team. So, and the fact that Pochettino didn't do it last season is somewhat of a, should, it's, it's, it's a travesty in a lot of different ways. But Tuchel is a very good cup manager. And I've heard that about him behind the scenes. He's so meticulous in, in how he prepares for these games. But over a 10-month season, does he have what it takes to actually lead them to the league title. And I'm not so sure yet. I'm not entirely convinced because they, they should have not gotten top four last year, but, but because Lester couldn't do the business on the last day of the season, that's why they backed in. So I don't know, big questions. I don't know how you feel about this particular game, but uh, not surprised that Chelsea locked it down and won one zero. No, you make a very good point about Tuchel being so meticulous in cup competitions. You know, when he has, uh, a, he, there's a piece of, there's a task right in front of them, right. To get mm -hmm. to the next point. He's very good at figuring out exactly what you need to do there. The marathon that is the Premier League becomes a little bit trickier. And to your point, uh, they just about managed Champions League football only because of Leicester City. So that's going to be a trickier thing. And also you're competing against, you know, uh, your Man Cities, your Liverpools, etc. So it's a, it's a mm -hmm. trickier thing. Mm -hmm. So that, 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 the jury's still out in terms of the Premier League, but you can't deny, obviously, what he's done already Champions League winner, et cetera, et cetera. But they still they still need pieces if you want to win at all, if you want to win mm -hmm. the Premier League, mm -hmm. I feel. Mm -hmm. By the way, Sergio Reguilón mysteriously left out of Tottenham squad today, but I think that has more to do with Conte just thinking about the weekend and, and things of, of that nature. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't I, know. I, I don't I know. Was always a, I, just, I go by this quote by... Uh, um, they, they have Arsenal on the weekend, for everybody that doesn't know. It's the North London Derby. Oh, and by the way, we have a great Fabrizio Romano episode tomorrow looking at both teams, both clubs, and what they need to do transfer-wise or what they're doing or not doing, etc. But yes, the North London Derby is this weekend, so I think that's part of it. But Conte said this, not in this game, but he said it before, Jimmy. Tottenham are not bad, but they're not great. They're like right in the middle right now. And, and that's what Tottenham fans have to, have to realize. What do you make of that? Well... 
I can understand why Tottenham have ex expectations. I mean, they've spent a lot of money on this team, building this team, and it hasn't really connected in a way that I think they either hope or expect or, and, and, and I get where they're coming from. I'm not a Spurs fan, but I can definitely understand being disappointed with your Premier League team. Uh, I have one, but my expectations are a little bit more set in the fact that my team sucks. But <laughs> but Spurs, and I know there's that there's the sarcasm that comes with it and that cynicism that comes with supporting a team, but they have a lot of the pieces that look like they should have success. And for whatever reason, it's just not consistent enough. You see flashes of it. I think that's what hurts more is you see flashes of how good this team can be, but they can't sustain it. And I think that's what hurts the most. And when you look at their schedule, they got Arsenal, which if they really want to get into the top four, they have to win that game, the North London Derby on Sunday. Then they got Leicester away, Chelsea away, and then they got Brighton in the FA Cup at home. Those are four tough yeah, games they're playing over the next 10 days. So this is a big, big time for them to try to get that sorted out. And to Antonio Conte's points, it's just funny because if Mourinho said that, he would package it in a way that's just like, oh, this guy's miserable. He's so unhappy. <laughs> you know, such a sad guy. He's always, you know, throwing his team under the bus. But Conte's come in and done similar things. And is it because he's being honest or trying to motivate the team through public criticism or is he just trying to state the fact? I mean, I'm just curious where that comes from. Because I think there's not, not all managers do that, you know? I think there's always a pressure from Conte on the owners, Daniel Levy, in this situation to say, we, if you want to get to a certain point, this is what we need. So I'm, I'm being very realistic. I, sure, think he's a sure. realistic. I think he's a realistic manager. And I think it's, I think it's exactly right. I don't think they're going to win anything at this point. Uh, they need to make moves then. They have to make they, moves. They do them. need to make moves. And that's the biggest thing. And that's why tomorrow you really need to tune in. To I will. I'm going to tune in because I'm hot. I'm not even a Spurs fan right now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, that's it, everybody. It's a short one, but sweet one. But we do have final thoughts with Jimmy Conrad uh, from today. It can be from anything. The games that we talked about, Jimmy C, or maybe how about <laughs> I mean, do you want I was to go gonna say? Well, I was going to say, there's a referee. I know you Referee, Africa Cup of Nations, everybody. If you didn't see the story, he called the game between Tunisia and Mali at the 85th minute. The game was, Mali was up 1-0 over Tunisia. And at the 85th minute, he's like, game over. And, there was and, a red card in the second half. There was a penalty and yeah, plenty of bookings. This really sketch. Uh, this referee calls the game in the 85th minute like it's over. Looks at his watch like, what? What did he start at the time? That the Tunisians rightfully could jump off the bench, point at their watch like, are you insane? He realizes, okay, okay, actually, there are a few more minutes. He calls the game at 89.45. He doesn't even let it go to 90 minutes. Doesn't add the extra time. That guy had money on the match, LME. There's not even a question in my mind. It's like Africa Cup of Nations is telling Commonwealth qualifiers, hold all my beers no right now. <laughs> it's what a story. What a story. Um, uh, unbelievable story. Well, my final thought is very quick. West Ham beat Norwich 2 nothing. by the way. Uh, a Bowen race, by the way. I think uh, uh, Jared Bowen, uh, with his two goals, definitely a contender for being in the England squad at this point. Uh, very, very good. And uh, West Ham leapfrog Arsenal, by the way, there into fourth right now, Jimmy Conrad's the Big tricky, this tricky hammers. Uh, the weekend's going to be interesting. But Jimmy C, thank you so much. Uh, thank you, everybody, for being part of the family. Que golazo pod on Twitter. Thank you for watching. Jimmy Conrad, I appreciate you as always, my man. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you, everybody, for listening and watching. Thank you so much. Have a great, great rest of your evening. Plenty more to come, including our weekend preview, weekend recap, USMNT hour, and we got the qualifiers coming up as well. But have a fantastic evening, a great rest of your week, and we will see you next time. Till then.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.